Hi, I'm Molly. I'm the community manager for the People Experience team here at Handle, and you're listening to the first ever People Experience pod. And I'm very lucky today because I'm going to be talking with Richard, who is our director of marketing, about employee advocacy. And this is something as a recruitment business where we're kind of uniquely posed to be able to talk about employer branding and specifically employee advocacy because we do have a little bit of a view into lots of companies talent strategies and maybe we can see where these things can and should really matter to them so we're going to be talking about what it is why you should care and just because i'm a bit of a statistic geek the why can sort of immediately be addressed with this one, which is that social media content from employees reaches 561% further than branded channels. So with that kind of bombshell, I'm going to introduce Richard now and yeah, we're going to get straight into it. Richard, hi, how are you? Hi, well, that's a great intro and you speak in my language, employee advocacy, love it, also love stats as well probably don't have enough stats prepared for today so hopefully you've got a few more on that list that you can throw in as well. So why don't you break down employee advocacy for us first of all so that no one has to go away and do a a cheeky little google search. What is it and what does it actually involve? Absolutely so the easiest way of looking at employee advocacy is empowering your employees to share the content that you have about your organisation and to empower them to create their own content and tell their own story. So a great example is if you think of one social platform, how many followers you have. Everyone that works in your organization have their own follower base and network base as well. So if they are um, part of an employee advocacy program, they are amplifying the content to a much larger audience than if you just did it yourself centrally. And. I mean, in terms of choosing those people who are going to be sharing that content, is what do you need to look out for in terms of kind of like who that needs to be? So you, and there really is no easy answer here. It has to be as many people as possible. So that has to be from your leadership team down to the most junior new starters within your organization. And it has to be across all divisions and it has to be across all of the different diversity groups within your organization as well, because it's very easy with an employee advocacy program to just go out, pick the five most socially active people in your organization, but they may be very, very similar. And by empowering those people to be talking about your brand and their experience, it can actually create a very misleading impression of what it's like to work at your organization and what your organization is all about. So you really need the breadth across the company to get as many people as possible involved. And I mean, you you spoke about kind of picking people from all different levels of the company and stuff. I'm sure it can be it can be easy if you're if you're looking for your kind of representatives to go towards people who are maybe more confident, more outgoing, but at the same time, maybe that can skew the way the program works in terms of who thinks that they're going to fit in at that company. What do you think can be some of the dangers around who you're picking to get involved? So it goes back to that last point. The worst thing you can do is just have the loudest 
possibly the most brash people in your organization, they're the easy ones that will really amplify and talk about the company. You can get them on board from day one, that's really easy, but then they won't identify with everybody. If you have a department within your business, let's just throw stereotypes out there. Let's say a finance team, for example, you would not expect them from an employee advocacy perspective to be as loud and outgoing as your front of house sales team would be. If you just leave your front of house sales team talking about what the culture of your business is like, then you are going to be missing out on connecting with anybody that may be a little bit more introverted and may be looking for something different within your organization. So you really need to look across all of your divisions and make sure that there is representation across all of them. Mm. And in terms of kind of, I mean, measuring how things are going, what are some of the crucial metrics that, that companies really need to be keeping an eye on when it comes to these programs? Right, well, that's a great question. And I feel like I always have a caveat before all of my answers, but it does depend a little bit on what your current strategy is. So what are you trying to achieve through your own hiring strategy, so to speak? Um, to keep it really simple, I look at it a little like an old fashioned wine decanter. So you've got a large opening at the top and that's where you start with how many people you're empowering or training to be part of the employee advocacy program. You then narrow in a little bit, so it goes to how many people, after they've had their training, are actually involved and, dare I say it, motivated enough to care and to continue mm -hmm. and to do what you've asked them to do in the training. Once they've done that, it then goes out to measuring the engagement. So if they're sharing content, creating their own content, creating their own stories, how many people is that going to? How many people are then sharing that themselves, liking that, commenting on that? And that could be across all different social platforms. Not very easy to track, but there are ways that we'll get into later. And then once the people are engaged, you then have to look at who's applying for jobs. And once they're applying for jobs, are they getting to interview stage? Are they then being placed within your organization? And by having that process, and by being able to measure from that initial first point of content, the individual or the team or the function that have shared it and where that candidate's come through, you can then see how it's measuring against all of the other things that are really important mm. that you already have. So that could be around how engaged they are compared to other candidate sources. If someone sees content that's shared by employee compared to applying for a job through a job board. Employee referrals have the highest applicant conversion rate. So while only 7% of the applicants are via employees, this actually accounts for 40% of all new hires. So I mean, you really can't overstate how important that kind of employee like representation and advocacy is absolutely and i love that you had a statistic there because i was struggling. oh it was ready don't worry <laughs> and if we're moving beyond that initial point we then go to the next one is how likely are they to accept a job offer 
So we all know that's one of the worst things you can do, especially within an internal talent team, is you've gone through the entire process, offer on the table, they may have been countered or they may just decide it's not the right option for them if they were running through multiple other processes. So does your employee advocacy improve the success rate of job offer to acceptance? Right. So I mean, based on what you're saying there, I have eight billion questions, but I think the two that came to mind most immediately were when you were talking about kind of training and empowering employees to be posting, to be creating content, what's the balance there in terms of empowering them and making sure that it comes across as authentic, but at the same time, not giving them 8 million more things they need to be doing on top of their job? Whatever you do to motivate someone to be part of the programme, it really comes down to why is it important to them. To start with, it's very easy, and I actually recommend you do this, to get lured into the gamification. So you just want people to be sharing content, getting likes, getting comments, and achieving reach. Because by doing that, essentially there's endorphins there. People get excited, people see that they're up on the top of the leaderboard. Oh yeah. How many of us have Instagram? I mean, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And people don't want to feel like they're speaking out to an empty void. They want to feel like there's interaction. So to start with, do that, do the gamification. I'd always say avoid rewarding people because the ultimate reward has to be that you are going to get some really cool colleagues sat next to you. That is why we are promoting employee advocacy program so you can offer incentives and financial rewards and sometimes it works but it can actually be more challenging for the longevity of the program if people are just looking at it as a quick fix solution rather than just something they do as part of their day-to-day lives to encourage people in and one of the really big things as well that I've seen with quite a few companies with employee advocacy is it actually increases the diversity of the applications that come in as well. So people in the organisation really start believing in it if rather than just using the same job boards or the same standard routes into a business that they can see actually this is really helping us and the people in our organisation are becoming more diverse because of what we're doing to attract a wider pool of talent. So it's about the long term, it's about people looking at who they'd like to have around them and seeing that their advocacy can be really crucial in actually getting those people to come to the business. I mean, for kind of companies maybe who haven't had an advocacy program before, who are really at the very, very beginning of building something up, do you think there's any place for incentive? Maybe not financial, maybe training, maybe, I'm trying to think what else could be, maybe even just um, like feedback. Do you think there is a place for it or do you think people really have to just concentrate on the long term a bit more? In an ideal world, people would get on board and give it everything they can. But we also have to be very realistic here and know that if someone is busy, asking them to do something else feels like a burden. If there is that little bit of reward, I love what you said around um, training or additional, say, L&D spend, if they attract people into the business. That's actually really positive because it's about their development as well as 
supporting the business. So absolutely, if you do something like that, it can really work. It's sometimes just what I don't think works as well if it is just a pure play monetary value on the table, because that can also get into a situation where you just have a mirror imaging or mm. a mirror hiring, where it's just like for likes because someone will try to get their mates in because they are going to get paid for it rather than attracting the best people yeah so i mean we've talked a lot about the the what you should be doing i happen to know because i work with you that you're just a complete branding geek sorry about that (laughs) you are um have you seen examples of companies kind of trying to approach employee advocacy and it just not working? And if so, what's going on? The one reason that it goes wrong is because it's too forced or it lacks authenticity. So it's very easy for a marketing team to kind of be given this as a priority and they almost want to go it alone and create this ideal impression of what the business is like. And I don't want to name names because it always seems a little bit mean, but if you Google what I explain, you can find them yourselves. But there was a really good example of a, it was actually a recruitment business where they created a work for us campaign where it looked like it was the trailer of an Amazon Prime documentary. There was a private jet involved. It was every stereotype you could imagine was in that process. They received a lot of negative feedback because everyone could see it was so dramatized. The culture of that business is not that you're getting on a private jet and being driven in a Rolls Royce day in, day out. But that was the impression they were trying to create. So everything is around that authenticity and also empowering people to have their own voice. So one of the most important things you can do in any program is to give the tools, the assets for people to be able Mm. to tell their own story rather than be given scripts and too much ghostwriting to be posting that out themselves. And if you genuinely are connected to somebody and you see them share that ghostwritten content, you can tell immediately that it's not in their tone and they're essentially being told to share or post that content and everything unravels very, very quickly as soon as that starts happening. So do you think if we take, for example, maybe the times where the marketing team does need to kind of be in control of it for lack of time from other teams, whatever it might be, do you think it's really important that they're having conversations with the teams about what it actually means to be working there? What kind of the specifics are of being on that team so that it doesn't have that kind of I don't know one size fits all showy private jet approach to working somewhere absolutely and this is where as with any employer branding exercise HR and marketing have to work in absolute partnership in this um, project and then they have to get complete buy-in across the business as well because they have to really understand what makes everybody want to work in a specific division because if you're a multinational business and you may own multiple companies so you may be a large multinational parent organization then 
the experience of someone working in one office in London would be very different to someone working in, say, Sao Paulo. You cannot have a one-size-fits-all based on an interview you have with somebody in London on a lunch break. That's not going to resonate with the culture of that other office, other division, other team. This probably makes you feel like this is a very complicated matrix, but unfortunately it has to be because employee advocacy is about individuals telling their story and their experience and they're trying to connect with people that are like them or dare I say it, very similar to them. So this removes the complication of that matrix by letting people tell their own stories. So we kind of flip it a little bit and, and I don't want to pick apart your answer at all but I just I'm, I'm curious honestly if if like you're saying kind of in terms of geographic locations in terms of the the specifics of teams it has to be authentic and it has to kind of come from the person what are the ways in which that can potentially be dangerous I guess I'm talking about the employee advocate gone rogue <laughs> like have you, yeah what, what are examples of when when that can be a problem what you have to realize is by empowering people they need to realize that you're trusting them to tell a story we can get really deep into this and go well that would be gross misconduct if somebody went rogue and started um, sharing an experience that wasn't a genuine authentic experience that's that's a genuine hr issue there and if you have an employee advocacy program or not they're still going to be having those conversations regardless some people of course will make mistakes what you have to do is to create a culture where rather than shouting at them for making the mistake you just have to educate them and support them so you're not trying to cancel them for making a mistake you're just trying to help them to learn from it and of course it can be painful because you are trusting people to tell their stories but by creating a framework and a narrative, all you're doing is supporting them to do what they could and should be doing anyway. I guess kind of leading off of that, it's, it's important to also talk about representation and, and a conversation that I find really interesting is one around hiring for companies that historically have struggled with diversity, maybe because they're in an industry that has had a terrible history with diversity or for whatever reason. How do you think companies can attract candidates from maybe like marginalized groups whilst also being true to who they actually are currently in their kind of employee advocacy programs? Um, I actually think that employee advocacy can really help this because if you're trying to centrally attract someone from an underrepresented group and you may not have many people within that underrepresented group in your organization it just feels like a marketing exercise mm. and it's also it's something i've never been comfortable with approaching a small pocket of employees gathering them together and crudely saying right you fit a certain underrepresented group um can you help us with this campaign it's it's horrific I mm -hmm. don't like doing it. It doesn't, it's not right for anybody. Whereas empowering everybody, if you had an employee resource group, for example, so you could have an LGBTQ plus group, 
you have two options there. As a business, you can just talk and celebrate about that group, or that group can go out and actually say, this is my experience, this is my role within the organization, this is my day-to-day, and then that will be picked up and shared if people are interested by it. So it's rather than telling people's stories for them, it's letting them tell their own stories. Earlier, I mean, this is this is kind of hopping way back, but it was an interesting point, so bear with me. You talked a bit about how you can measure how employee advocacy is, is working through the candidates that you're attracting, through the videos or whatever it is, content that you're sharing out. I'm really interested also in how you can measure it through the candidates who maybe are turning you down through through that same kind of pipeline. What do you think about that? How do you think companies can really be approaching when it's not going so right and, and what they should be learning from that? Um, what you have to look at is, it's almost the before and after. But if you're looking at your base metrics of who you are attracting into your talent pipeline and then whether they were successful or not, if you start realizing that things are getting worse, then you need to look at Is it the employee advocacy program that's creating that? And if it is, you have two options. You either need to work with the people that are part of that program and understand where they're actually connected. What you might find is that they've actually got really bad networks themselves, that they need to broaden their network to attract a a wider pool of talent in. So what you really need to do is and some of you may already have this in place, some of you may not, is around surveying throughout the um, candidate experience to find out what they're enjoying about the process, what may be preventing them from progressing, and what their challenges and obstacles are. And by mapping that back to how they first engaged with your organization, or it's also multi-touch points as well, they may have actually previously seen some of your employer branding but it was only when they saw that real one-touch employee advocacy content that they got in touch and applied for a job or made first contact so through those surveys you just need to compare where they came from or how many different pieces of your say marketing talent attraction program they engaged with before going into your talent pipeline and then what's happened further on. I'd like to think that through an employee advocacy program, there should be less unknowns. They should feel more connected to your organization Mm. before they apply for a job, or it creates another level of validation whilst they're going through the process that these are real people and this is what it's actually like to work in this organization. We've talked a lot about authenticity and I know when I first started looking into employee advocacy programs, this was almost a, a tempting idea for me. What do you think about um, yeah, the temptation to, to think that these programs should just kind of happen organically? What are, what are some of the maybe pitfalls or even advantages of approaching it in kind of an organic way? Um, I always like to use that power phrase that gives people sleepless nights Let's look at the example of Glassdoor. So with Glassdoor, if that is organic, we all know that that can unravel very, very quickly. If you're not commenting, you're not replying, you're not 
even encouraging people within your organization to be leaving their own feedback, that can become a pit of negativity very, very quickly. And that can happen with employee advocacy because essentially Glassdoor is a working example of employee advocacy. Mm -hmm. You then have the two options. One can be stage managed, where you can just create the assets, share to all that all company email and say, can everyone please share and like this content? That's the real basic touch point. And then you have the third point, which is the real empowerment mode. So that's taking the strategy, and it's really important as well that you do genuinely build a strategy and treat this program as you would any other business critical project. So you outline what your objectives are, you outline how much time and resource it's going to take, and then you share that with individuals, but you give them the tools they need to be able to push it forward. So that could be that they really need to understand your values as an organization. They may need to really understand why they love to work for your organization as well. So that might just be a bit of coaching for them to be able to really understand what it is they like, rather than, as we all know, if you ask someone in your company, why do they work with you? They will always say, the people. You need to get more granular than that. What is it about the people? What is it about the environment? And then they will share that externally. So it's not just about giving them some buzz phrases, some imagery and some social media guidelines. It's about working with them to help them realize and understand what they actually care about and what people looking to work with them care about as well. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought up Glassdoor because it's some employer's nightmare, it's some employer's dream, and it's every job hunter's absolute dream. I mean, for anyone who's ever looked for a job recently, like it's the gold standard for, for honesty. What do you think about, you know, if you do have a Glassdoor page that's that's tanking, that's not doing very well for your employer brand, what are some ways that you can approach that as like a genuine learning experience rather than something sort of just to be bandaged up? Um, I'd actually use it as the impetus to kickstart an employee advocacy program because all you're looking at at Glassdoor is, on the most part, there are some malicious comments there, but on the most part, just an individual's personal experience of what it's like working for or having worked for your organization. So you need to look at, are there trends? Are there certain managers or people that are being, um, let's say, regularly referenced within the more challenging bits? But you've also got to look at the positives as well. Why are the, what are the things that make people want to work for your organization? And to also educate the business that, look, these are some of the things that people don't like. These are the things that people do. Getting a little bit deeper, does it match what you already know? So is this feedback and negatives and positives, things that you're already very aware of and working on? But through an employee advocacy program, you can just start that dialogue and say, look, we know there's some things that we're not great at, but this is what we're doing to improve it and step up to be better as an organization. and. I think as you said it's it's transparent it's honest mm. you can't hide from it we all know that there's a few rubbish ones in there 
malicious ones. But aside from that, you just have to own it and embrace it and use it to start the conversation with your employees. So what what's the future for employee advocacy at Handle? I might have a little clue based on the fact that I was in a room last week filming some stuff, but, <laughs> but what are we working on here? So... It's very much about everyone feeling empowered to be able to tell their own story. So we are supporting everybody with, let's just say, some higher production content where people can tell their story in front of a film crew. But what I want that to do is then to give people the confidence to go and do it themselves. So I don't want to be sat here as a marketer and dictating on a weekly basis of this person needs to share this, this person now needs to talk about this. I want to be able to go on to um, LinkedIn, Instagram, even TikTok, and just see content from our people sharing their experience of working at Handle. Mm -hmm. And the more they share it, the more exciting it is because they are giving an authentic impression of work for us People will believe it and we'll be able to continue attracting incredible people that are like the incredible people we already have here. Wow, I didn't need another reason to be addicted to TikTok, but I guess you've heard it here first. Handle TikTok is coming. Thank you so much for chatting with me, Richard. Um, it's been a great one and I hope you enjoyed it too. An absolute pleasure to be on the first edition of the People Experience You're Podcast. You're so welcome.